Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. It is great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to reiterate a announcement that you've already heard probably a couple times, especially if you got here a little early. We are going to be moving our service times, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, the 22nd, okay? You may want to put that on your calendar. We're moving both of them back one hour, whoop, right? That's going to be awesome. 9.30 and 11 are going to be the two service times, with 11 o'clock being our service time that we have all of our youth ministries uh, for both transit, junior high, inside out, our high school ministry over in the annex. But also that'll be the, the service, 11 o'clock uh, will be the streaming service that we'll be streaming live. So just wanted you to be aware of that. That's going to be happening week after next. So make sure you write that down and make sure that's in your, your schedule. So um, last weekend we kicked off a new series entitled A Bright future together, the operative word there being together, that we're talking about the power and importance of doing life together, uh, doing life connected to the body of Christ, of being a part of this community of faith here at Brazos Fellowship. Now, let me just quickly say a caveat here, an exception to what I'm talking about. If you are somebody that has to be online right now, like you just have no other option because of medical uh, issues, if you are in a vulnerable section of society and you need to be very careful, or you're caring for somebody who is extremely young or someone who is a little older that isn't in a vulnerable situation, I totally, we totally get that. If you're in a unique situation, you need to be home. You're right where you need to be. If you're watching this online today, awesome. Now, there is a whole other section and segment of society that has been a part of us in the past. It's just, we've, and I've had lots of conversations, so I know this is the case. And some of you are making your way back here at Brazos Fellowship, and that's wonderful. But we've gotten comfortable, haven't we? It's just easy to do church in your PJs at home and uh, to be secluded and be alone and to watch content online. As a matter of fact, there's never been a greater time in history than to watch Christian content than right now. Like, there's so much of it out there. And it would be real easy to say, I'm getting what I need. Like, I got, I'm getting good content. I'm, I'm part of an online community. I'm, I'm connected, kind of, you know. And, but if you have the option where you could be here live, let me just encourage you. And that's what this series is about. Why is that so important? Why is actual in-person community with real people and real spaces in real time, why is that, should that be a priority? Why should we continue to do that? And that is a great question. We talked about last week, part of the answer to that is when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, what is the greatest commandment, Jesus? If we're gonna forget everything else in the Bible, what's the one thing we ought to remember? He didn't give one, but he gave two, right? Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40 he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, basically like these two go together. And he's showing us that, and revealing that the greatest commandment is only lived and learned in community. It's done when we come together. 
It's not done in isolation. It is done best when we do it with other people. And this is so incredibly important that we remember this. We talked about the fact that the glue that holds us together relationally, both with God and with other people, is this thing we call trust, faith putting our hope in. We learn that in community. We learn how to. We're encouraged by one another and prayed for and, and, and pushed and uh, sometimes cajoled a little bit to move and keep holding on to faith and move with God and to trust him. We do that best when we do that together. It's so powerful. And one of the things that we looked at too last week in Scripture is that God has always had a community through which he draws the world to himself, whether it was the Old Testament Israelite community, this nation that he rose up from Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, and he brings it to himself, and he had plans this great redemptive purpose for this people. And out of these people came, and there was prophecies, hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years of prophecies that there would be a Messiah that would come out of that Israelite community. And sure enough, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came out of that community. And he created a whole new community of disciples, followers of Jesus Christ that were the church now. This, these local expressions of communities of faith of which Brazos Fellowship is a part, we are now the new community through which God is drawing the world to himself, wants to share his message with the world. He does that through us corporately. He does that through us as we work together. And yes, he does that through us individually, but he does it when we work together collectively as a community. It's so powerful that we remember this. So there's still that question that is presence really that important? Should it be something that we make a regular part of our plans and schedule going forward? Let me tell you a little story that happened to me a couple of months ago. Back in May, my daughter Allie got married, okay? And she wanted to schedule the wedding on a Sunday. Now, between you and I, the venue she wanted to use was cheaper on a Sunday, okay? So that's part of what made that decision for us. So we, we scheduled it on Sunday. Now, as her dad, I'm a pastor, as you know, and I work many Sundays, right? It would be really easy for me to come to her and say, Allie, sweetie, I'm so sorry, but daddy's going to be working, and uh, I'm going to hire a really good videographer, and I promise to watch that video at some point, okay? <laughs> and I just can't be there with you, right? Would that ever, ever fly? Would that ever be good enough? Would that ever be good as good as this? Take a look at this photo together, all right? Yes, thank you for that awe. I wasn't expecting that, but I'll take it. Okay, so yeah, would it ever be as good as that? Ever be as good as that? I mean, I could have told her, hey, sweetie, just hold your phone up like that, and I'll FaceTime you. We'll schedule this between services or right after, and I'll be the Daddy will be with you all the way down the aisle, just like that, right? We'll just FaceTime it. I'm just, I'm just going to, you know, zoom it in like that. Um, would that ever be okay? No way, right? Here's what we know, what we learn through life. The most important stuff of life requires our presence. We need to show up for one another. We need to be there, bring our presence to moments in other people's lives. There is a power in that. 
And that's the way God intended for it to be. There is a power in that. And, and I, want, I want you just to think about this for a minute. Because I, you may think I'm, I'm taking this to a, um, an extreme here. But there is a point at which, whether we're talking about your daughter's wedding, now that'd be a really a jerk move, right? For a dad to say, I'm not gonna be there at your wedding to their daughter, especially if you're a pastor, right? That's not, you don't do that. But at some point, when you don't show up for people, you don't show up for worship of God when you say, he's a priority in my life. Here's a question I want you to think about because this has kind of haunted me too. At what point does our lack of presence communicate this just isn't that important to me? No matter what we say, your presence or your lack of presence also communicates something very powerful that you may not realize or even want. But it's really important that we begin to say, man, what am I saying with my presence? Is this a right that I'm okay forfeiting? Is this right to assemble in this country and come together to worship God? Is this important to me or is this just optional? I really don't need it. I'm good online, right? Because our, our culture, our world will constantly say, we beg to differ. You don't really need to be in person. There was an interview with Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook, a couple of years ago in Chicago, Illinois, where he was talking about this new platform that Facebook was about to adopt that was going to help connect people more than they've ever been connected before. And he said, quote, take a look at it together, if we do this, this will not only turn around the whole decline in community membership, it will start to strengthen our social fabric and bring the world closer together. And then he goes on to claim that Facebook was becoming the new church. Is he right? Do we need to just do away with real people, real places, real time where real life transformation takes place? Because in a new digital world, ladies and gentlemen, it is all about customizing, carefully curating exactly the experience you want at exactly the most convenient time for you individually. That's what it's about. To put it another way, the key value in a digital age is individualism. It is really all about you. We're going to get you what you want, the places you like to shop, the kind of news you like to listen to, and nothing else. All the voices that cater to your presuppositions about life, about politics, about whatever, and you won't have to worry about hearing anything else. We will make the world customized to you. That is not reality, but that is what the internet does. And in that kind of a system, individualism, what, what does it lead to? It leads to isolation. And here's what we know, that just down through world history, human beings don't do great in isolation. We become very unhealthy. And I think you see expressions of this in our world over the last 17, 18 months. When people get isolated, when they get cloistered away and they're only listening to their own voices, it's not healthy. It's not, it doesn't make for a healthy society, a healthy nation, or a healthy world. And God knows this about his church, too. We need each other. We need each other. It's so powerful that we remember that we were intended to do life together whenever it is possible. 
as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That requires us coming together. Romans 12, 18, I believe, where Paul says that. And there was another place where Paul was challenged about how is this relationship in the New Testament church supposed to function? Because as many, some of you might remember this, and maybe you've never known this before, but the church, the New Testament church of Jesus Christ was began, it began with Jews that were converted to Christianity. They were all converted Jews at the beginning. That's all there was. And then Jesus came to Peter in a vision and told him, listen, this is not, this good news, this gospel is for the Gentiles, all the non-Jewish people in this Greco-Roman world as well, and all the known world. The, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the world. Like, it's supposed to go to everybody, everybody. And Peter's, Peter's going, oh, wow, that's a novel idea. You're right, we should start to do that. But it made them function radically different because these people that were real, real different from them were starting to make their way into the church. And these people for so long had felt like strangers and foreigners, but how are they supposed to be now? And this is what... The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus that was going through that transformation. Here's what he said. Chapter 2, verse 19 of Ephesians. He says, So now you Gentiles, all you non-Jews, are no longer strangers and foreigners. Because they were, they were people that were like, y'all stay over there, we stay over here, and we do the, neither, never shall the two meet, right? They, we're going to stay away from each other. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. Citizens of what? Citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We are, it doesn't start when we get to heaven, it starts right now. He wants us to function as citizens of the same kingdom. He says, and you are members of God's, let's say it together, members of God's family. You are supposed to function as a household of brothers and sisters from here forward. I don't care what your background was. I don't care what your history is. I don't care. I mean, those things are important. I'm not saying we, we completely divorce ourselves from where we've come from, but the more important thing is you belong to God Almighty now. You are a part of his family. He is your heavenly father now. And it's beautiful to see how God says, and I'm going to bring all this beautiful diversity together, and you will be better because of it. You will be stronger because of it. Now, just know there'll be a part of you that will want to push back because being around people that grew up different than you, look different than you, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. But don't you know that when you get outside your comfort zone, that's when all growth starts to happen? That's when you actually start to grow. You see, God intentionally gives us diverse people within the, his family to practice living out our faith with. These are the people that we learn how to actually love like Jesus loves us. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this... All people, all ethnos, the whole world will know that you are my disciples, he says. This is one defining factor that you cannot debate away, you cannot ignore. It is done not in isolation, but in community. It's powerful when it's done right. And God meant for life, we talk about this a lot around here, Brad's Fellowship helps, to, we exist to help life, to show you how life, how does your life and your faith work together, right? And that has done together with the community of other believers 
whenever possible. Whenever it is possible. Sometimes it's not possible. Even down through history, there have been times where um, this isn't the first pandemic that hit the world, right? Epidemics, famines, war, etc. made it really difficult. It wasn't possible at times for people to be able to meet. But when we have that opportunity, we should come together because God intended for this life to be done by his people, not in a singular way, but in a plural way. Look at the way that Jesus taught us to pray to his Father in heaven. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, where Jesus, they asked him, how are we to pray? How are we supposed to talk to the Father? How do you talk to him? And he says, here, let me show you how. And he gives us the Lord's Prayer. And he starts the prayer by saying, our Father, not my Father. Now, I'll be honest, I have made this personal before when I've prayed it. But Jesus taught it plural, our Father in heaven. And he goes on to say, give, let's say it together, give us today our daily bread. This is, this is something we, we, are, we are thinking God collectively, that he is taking care of us all. Just like rewinding all the way to the Old Testament when the Israelites were freed from Egyptian slavery, right? When they get out in the wilderness, that God provided manna from heaven daily. He's going, so this is a symbol representing everything you will need every day, and it will be me. I will be your source, but I want you to celebrate, recognize, give testimony to it collectively as my people. And by you voicing, here's what God did for me, it will strengthen this guy's faith and her faith, and it is crazy how we help each other. All the one anotherings of the New Testament were intended not to be done in isolation, but in community. It's powerful. Now, even when we rewind further, we go back to the original 12. I like to call them the OG 12, right? Of the disciples where Jesus was picking out, handpicking these guys that were going to not just launch the church, but the Christian movement worldwide. He picks these guys, and we're given the list over in Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. Now, if you haven't seen the list of the 12 disciples in a while, let's take a look at it together, okay? Even if you have, we're going to look at it together. All right, here we go. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. He goes on to say, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now, I want you to zero in on these two guys that had little descriptors behind their name that kind of told about what they did and what was the definer for their life before they came to faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew, of course, is writing this. This is his gospel, right? And he's like, all of you who are reading this, I think it's important for you to notice something really important here. Now, this gets lost on us. It seems inconsequential to our first century or 21st century ears. But in a first century Jewish culture, this would have been shocking. This would have been mind-blowing that Jesus would put these two guys, not in the same church together, but in the same small group together. Okay, let's talk about why that was so important. First of all, you got Matthew the tax collector. So what did the tax collector do? The tax collector was hired by the enemy of the Jewish people, the Roman government. 
He was hired by them to go collect money from his brethren, his brothers and sisters, Jews, that he was going to go. And it was notoriously known that these tax collectors were criminals. They were crooks. They were, they were corrupt and skimming off the top. They were surcharging all this extra money and getting rich off of it. It, to the point it would make you sick. It'd be like if you saw somebody driving around town and you're going, I know how that guy financed that whip. You know, <laughs> I know how he, how he moved into that neighborhood. I, he is making money off of all of us. And he's doing it by permission of the government. He's getting rich off of us. He represented the enemy to the Jews. They hated him vehemently for what he stood for and who he was and how he got wealthy. I hated it, right? So this is Matthew. Jesus picks him. Come and follow me. And then you've got Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot is on the other end of the socio-political spectrum. He was a fanatical, uh, anti-Roman like activist. And he would resort to very... Uh, violent tactics often. He and his other zealot brothers, they would attack Roman soldiers, try to kill them. They would attack tax collectors often and try to kill them too. Now just think about this. Imagine you got these two guys in your small group. I think I would go to Jesus and go, I think we made a mistake. I think this guy, we need to put him way over here. Like he's in the wrong place, Jesus. But Jesus handpicked these guys. Don't you know it took time? It took time together to learn how to let go of the resentment and animosity they had towards one another. It took time for them to begin to trust one another, to begin to behave like brothers, to really love each other the way Jesus loved them. It took time. If I put myself in Matthew's uh, sandals for just a minute... I would be like looking over myself. Where's, where's Simon at, man? Is he, what's he doing over there? Is he, oh, he's making drinks, not getting a weapon? Okay, because you don't know when he's going to bring some bloody retribution down on your head. Like, I don't know if I can trust this guy, right? They couldn't have been more different. They had a history that wasn't good. In this country, we have groups of people who have history that isn't good. They had political views of one another that would preclude them from ever loving each other apart from their connection with Jesus, the Son of God. And don't we have that today? And Jesus taught them how to transcend all of that human-made system stuff and start to love each other like brothers and sisters. And if he taught them how to do it, he can teach us how to do it. We will trust him, and we will stay the course, and we will keep loving each other. I love what Peter said. Peter was one of the 12 disciples, and he shares with us some beautiful secrets. Into, Here's what I learned from the Savior. Here's what I learned from to walking with Jesus for three-plus years and, and him showing me how to love other people. In 1 Peter 3, 8, here's what Peter says. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble, you can't learn that in isolation. That's done in community, isn't it? And he shows us that this is stuff that we've got to begin to work on, to begin to understand, to empathize with one another, to sympathize, to, to be able to love, really love with our actions, 
one another. Be compassionate and humble. To humble yourself is to stop thinking so much of yourself and beginning to listen to somebody else's point of view. It doesn't mean that you have to now just get rid of all of your conviction, all of your preconceived notions about politics and everything. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you're open to begin to love people more than you love your ideologies that you're willing to put what Jesus said before your politics, before your agendas, before all of these things, and that cannot be learned in isolation on the internet. I promise you the opposite is learned. You'll become more isolated, and your heart will begin to fill with hate towards people you don't even know because you think you've got them figured out. That is not the heart of Jesus. What is it that's going to cause us to get consistent about community? What is it that's going to cause us to actually begin to implement this more consistently in our life? I love what the writer of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 tells us. I want to read that to you for you right now. Let's take a look at that together. Hebrews, if we have that. Um, There it is. Okay. Let us hold unswervingly. To the hope we profess. I love that word, unswervingly. Hold strong, hold fast, unmoving. For he who promised is faithful. Who is he? He is Jesus. He is, what he has promised is faithful. Let us, notice this pluralized um, addressment he's making. Let us, collectively, as the body of Christ, as the community of faith, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, how do we do this? How is this going to happen? He tells us in the very next part of the verse. He says, not giving up, let's say this together, not giving up meeting together. Not giving up meeting together. Why? Because it's so easy to give it up. It's so easy because it's so inconvenient sometimes. It takes work. you got to get up, get dressed, get the kids ready. It takes some time. I understand it's difficult, as some are in the habit of doing. Some have done this. He's saying, listen, like, they're not the worst people in the world for having done it, but they're going to be less. They're going to miss out on some of the strength and the power and the presence of God. There is something that happens when two or more are gathered in my name and come together to worship me. Jesus says, there I am in the midst. I am there among them. I am there with them. There is a power that comes from us coming together as God's people. He says, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging, there it is, one another, lots of one another rings in the New Testament. You cannot do those alone. You have to do them together. Encouraging one another all the more and all the more as you see the day, capital day, approaching. What is that day? It's the day of the return of Jesus Christ. And just a quick little reminder, right after Easter this year, we did a little three-week series on the return of the king, the return, that was the name of the series, return of Jesus. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back. It's so encouraging to think about that day and how real and how alive and how powerful it's going to be for those who claim faith in Jesus Christ. And it is a day that helps us to remember this is part of why we come together. We're preparing our hearts for eternity not the temporal, but the eternal. And it is a a beautiful picture of where we're going and what's gonna happen next. And it gives us hope, even in hopeless times of our present day. And so the key to biblical community is commitment. It's saying, I am going to commit to this. 
that there is an intention of the heart. I intend to be here every Sunday. I'm intending to be here as often as I can. And I get it. We, we go on vacations, right? We, we, we go places and there's things that happen and family events and stuff. There's times you can't be here. I get it. And let's set all that aside. And again, for those, it would be better off for them medically. They're in a place of vulnerability or you're taking care of somebody who is in that vulnerable state. You are exempt from this. No guilt, no shame, no, no worries about that. I'm talking about those who could but are choosing not to to be willing to say, I'm going to intend to be here. Part of the reason why people don't come, because they don't intend to come. Like if it's convenient and it just sort of falls in my lap, then yeah, I'll do it. But that's not how it works. We have to be intentional. We have to commit to it. And when we commit to it, that's when it begins to happen. And commitment matters more than compatibility, which is the opposite of our digital world today. The digital world will say only compatibility, only the things that work with you and that you like and that you choose and that you voluntarily want to be a part of. And sometimes God will say, you know what actually you need, you don't want? Anybody that's a parent knows that, right? Not everything your kid wants, they need. Some of the stuff they want will destroy them and you love them too much to give it to them. You're beginning to get a glimpse into the Father's heart towards you. If you'll trust him, if you'll trust him, it's beautiful, it's powerful how it works. I've seen this not only true in the church, I've even seen it in the gym at times, okay? Follow me on this. Um, for about six years, I have um, done a workout program called CrossFit, okay? This is not a commercial for CrossFit, but there's a parallel here I want to show you. Um, so CrossFit is this kind of worldwide physical fitness phenomenon. It started back in 2005 with about 13 gyms. Today, there's only 15, there's over 15,000 affiliates worldwide and countless millions of people that do it. It's been one uh, of the workout systems that I have been able to stick with. It's been really good for me, and I have thought about that a lot. Why is that the case for me? Because it's so atypical. It's really different than any other workout program I've ever been to. You go to a CrossFit gym. Now, I'm only familiar with the one here at College Station CrossFit. But uh, when I, you go in there, there's no mirrors on the wall, right? You can't see yourself working out and flexing your muscles. There's no mirrors on the wall. There's no TV showing you the TV program. No. As a matter of fact, it's kind of discouraged to bring your, your cell phone even in the room because it probably will get crushed if you leave it on the floor, right? You want to go put it somewhere safe. Nobody comes in with earbuds in, ear pods or AirPods. They don't come in with that. Eye contact is encouraged. Conversation is encouraged. Encouragement is, is a part of the norm around there, right? Because I'll be honest with you, these workouts are put together to make you very uncomfortable. I'm saying that really nice. Make you very uncomfortable, you're going to suffer a little bit. It's going to be really, um, it's, going to, it's going to hurt a little bit, right? But that's part of the process of getting fit, right? But here's the funny thing is, is that there's these friendships that have formed. Friendship, as it turns out, does really good with people who are going through common suffering, difficulty. They're hitting this moment where they want to quit. They want to give up. And when you got a brother or sister next to you that's saying, come on, you can do another rep. You can do one more. You can do one more. Wow, I have seen friendships transcend the walls of the gym because of that. This is not something you can replicate online. 
It's powerful. I have had friends that I have made in the gym doing CrossFit. Again, it's not an advertisement for CrossFit. You can do a lot of different things, and this happened, but have made their way to Brazos Fellowship and had made significant, huge spiritual decisions for their life because it started with this friendship. And I truly believe that in a similar way, when you look throughout church history, it was the times when the church of Jesus Christ was under duress, and it was difficult, and it was inconvenient, and it was hard, and there was some suffering going on. That was when the church was at her best, when the people of God were committed, and they were doing the things, and they were consistent and in his book, Uncomfortable, Brett McCracken talks about this beautiful parallel that happens. I want to share it with you. I think this is so insightful. There is a reverse correlation between the comfortability of Christianity and its vibrancy. When the Christian church is comfortable and cultural, she tends to be weak. And when she is uncomfortable and countercultural, she tends to be strong. And this is a message today. For those of you at home and right here, a call to be countercultural, to go against the digital age that we live in and say, I'm going to commit to these people. This is my new family. These are my brothers and sisters, and I'm committed, and I want to be a part of this place, and I want to be a part of serving and helping and plugging in, and I want to pour in. I want to learn how to trust God and others because in this age, we're, we're taught the opposite, not to trust. Don't trust anybody. Don't trust God, don't trust the church, don't trust anybody. Man, that is a dark downward spiral for humanity. We need to learn how to trust once again. And it happens with real people in real spaces, in real time, experience real life transformation in Jesus Christ, conforming our life to his powerful, immovable, unshakable word. And for those of you who are already committed, you're like, well, I'm in, I'm done, I'm, I'm doing this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm already in and I'm ready, ready to do this. You're at home, you're thinking, I wanna do this. Let me tell you, you're like, what is my next step? How can I help to build this kind of community around Brazos Fellowship? How can I help people to connect? I'm so glad you asked. And this next month, September, we're gonna be launching small groups in our church exactly like Jesus started. We're just borrowing from him, right? Starting small groups where we gather together in small groups to pray for each other, encourage each other, build relationships, search God's word. But we need leaders. We need men that can lead men's groups. We need women who can lead women's groups. We need couples that are willing to lead couples groups because we have more people that want to be in a small group than we do leaders to lead them, okay? And you may be saying, well, well, I'd love to do this, but I have no idea, earthly idea how to do that. That is totally okay. We will teach you how to do it. It's not so complicated. A person can't learn. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, the 15th, we're going to hold a group leader training right here at Brazos Fellowship at our campus next Sunday night at 6 p.m. And you can learn more about it. Now, I'm not asking you to commit right now. Some of you may be, I'm all in, I'm ready to commit right now. That's great, wonderful. But those of you who are even just like, I'm open to get some more information. Here's what I'd like you to do right now with me. I know this is going to feel sacrilegious. Let's get our phones out in church for just a second. Would you get your phone out for just a moment with me? Everybody go ahead, feel free. Grab your phone, grab your phone. We're going to do this together, okay? And here's what I'd like you to do. Go down here to your text, wherever yours is. Open it up, and I want you to text the word BF leader. 
Come on, let's do it together right now. I know some of you are like, hearts being like, oh my gosh, am I gonna do this? This is scaring me to death. I'm telling you, this may be the step of faith that will unlock and create a breakthrough spiritually in your life that you've been praying for for years, but you've not had the courage to try it. Today's the day. Come on, let's step up. It's gonna be a beautiful thing to see how God may use you. We hear this testimony all the time by small group leaders and people in them. We'd never done anything like this and we tried it and it was crazy cool to see what God did. Text BF Leader to 97000. Do that right now. BF Leader. Just punch that in. BF Leader to 97000. And we will get you some information and help you to take that next step. Even if you're not sure you could be here next Sunday, even if you're not sure if you're going to be able to say yes, that's okay. Just take this next step and we will help you from there, okay? We'll just help you, all right? So take that step. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do today as we go to our application prayer. Regardless of where you are today, I want to ask you to make a fresh commitment to the Lord towards his body, towards the church, the expression of a community of faith. And it doesn't have to be at Brazos Fellowship, although we would love to have you here, but it needs to be somewhere. Go to your church, wherever it is you think you would be most apt to commit and stay and stick with these people. It's so important for you to do this. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.